Come on, is Jesus alive here at Faith Renewed? Amen. Is he alive in you? Hallelujah. It is such an honor, a privilege to be with you today. And I can't tell you what an honor it is to have my family here and my dad and mom and, and lots of relatives. Uh, if I were to ask the relatives to stand, half of the church would stand up, I think, today. Uh, and, but, uh, and then my beautiful, gorgeous, sexy, lovely wife. <laughs> I better say that last word to make sure. Amen. But my beautiful wife, Kim, is with me today, and it's an honor to have her. And Isabella is already in the children's church. My oldest daughter is here, too, Rose. And uh, Rose, where are you? There you are. She's over there. She's 19. I have three girls, 19, 16, and 5. <laughs> Would you pray for me today? I've, I received that blessing today. Amen. And uh, before we get into the Word, I just want to take a moment and let you know, and I know you already know this, but I just want to say this publicly. You are a blessed church to have pastors like you have. Man, I honor them, and I appreciate their passion and their heart and their love for people. I tell you, my level of respect for pastors skyrocketed about six years ago when my brother and his wife, I, had an, uh, I have an older brother, they started a church right above where we live in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, when they started their church, I quickly found out that pastors put up with a lot of stuff. Come on, don't look so holy right now. Amen. They, although I can't see many of you, I can see some of you. They put up with me and you, right? I heard a funny story one time. You'll enjoy this. A gentleman called a church, and he wanted to talk to the pastor. And the secretary answered the phone, and this guy in his good old southern English, he said, I want to talk to the head hog at the trough. And the secretary said, sir, if you're referring to my pastor, I don't appreciate that. I take offense to that. And he said, ma'am, I didn't mean to offend you. I just want to make a $50,000 donation to the church. And the secretary said, sir, hold on. Porky just walked in. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how quick money can change how you perceive things, right? I'll tell you, we, we were uh, in about 100 different churches last year, and the Lord is moving. And I'll tell you, I believe... This church is progressing toward their God-given destiny in a major, major way. And it is an honor today for me to be a part of this. Um, you know, some churches, they treat you as a traveling minister, and that's awesome. But others treat you as a gift from God, and that's what you guys have done to us. Everybody, I mean, from the first moment I walked in the door... Three guys were here. They were either going to fight me or help me. And I thank God they were going to help me. They, uh, they rushed to the car, got the stuff over there for the books and all. Everyone is so friendly. Everyone is just welcome here. And the love of God is so strong. You're so happy. And you should be. You know, it's a no-brainer. If you're not going to hell, you should be in a better mood. Come on, can I see your teeth today? Amen. Anybody happy they're saved? Amen. You, you grateful you know who you're serving. Hallelujah. And you know what? That joy that exudes from your pastors and this worship team and all, that does not come because they have believed the report of CNN. 
Come on, church, don't shout me down now. Amen. That kind of joy doesn't come because they've heard the latest stock market crisis. Amen. Or the bird flu. Or the swine flu or the frog flu. I don't know what's out. Frog flu. What's out there today? Amen. You know, and that kind of joy doesn't come because they've put their trust in this world's economic system. Because church, I'm telling you something. We are living in a day when the world is screaming crisis. They're screaming panic. But isn't it good to come to a place today where we can scream Christ in us? Amen. Amen. And He is the answer to all of these things. You know, praise God for our president. Praise God for our leaders. And I honor them and we pray for them. But church, I'm telling you. It doesn't matter what Obama, Osama, or their mama says. It only matters what the Word of God says. And that's whose report we've decided to believe. Amen. <laughs> you can't say that in too many places, right? So, but that's the report we've chosen to believe. And that's why we have joy today. You know, the world is worried about Social Security. We don't have to worry about it. We've got sewing security. They're, they're worried about the, uh, the health care plan. I got a better health care plan. How many of you know by his stripes, you're healed is a pretty good health care plan. And if you'll trust in that today and rely upon what Jesus did for you today, man, I'm telling you, you can, you can be in this world, but you don't have to partake of the world. Come on, that's, I'm going to give myself an offering here in a minute. That's good stuff. Amen. <laughs> So I came to give you some good news today. I came to give you a better report today. And that report is a sure report. And when I say sure, I mean it doesn't change. By his stripes ye were healed is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago when he shed his blood. Now you know why the news media, you know why there has to be 24-hour news? Because it's always changing. They can't get their story straight. How many of you know when you used to lie, and I said used to, <laughs> when you used to tell stories, you remember when you had to change it the next day when you were asked about it because you couldn't remember what you had said the day before. So you always had to keep adding to it and making it large. You know, you fishermen, you catch a sardine, by the time you get home, it's Shamu. You know what I'm talking about. You got to keep increasing the story and changing the story. That's why there's 24-hour news. They can't, nothing in this world system is sure. But God's Word never changes. You know why? Because it's a sure report. So that means you can put your faith and your trust and your hope in this Word today. Man, so how many of you love the Word? You guys love the Word here? How many are ready to get into the Word today? Hallelujah. So Father, as we come to your Word, our eyes are open to see, our ears are open to hear, our spirit, soul, ready to receive the incorruptible seed of your Word. And as your Word goes forth today, I declare that it will not fall on deaf ears. But it will be sown into good fertile ground where the thief cannot steal it. And in due season, hallelujah, it will grow forth a bountiful harvest. And I want you, to, if you would, just to make this confession of your faith. Say this after me today. Say, it is my due season. Now, let's say it like you drunk a cup of coffee. It is my due season. 
man, y'all had a Starbucks, didn't you? Amen. <laughs> to receive everything. Jesus provided for me at the cross. Now, how many of you are going to receive that today? You receive that today? I come to you today with a very bold statement that the Lord has placed in my heart for this generation. How many of you know this generation is being bombarded with what I like to call roars of hell? How many of you know hell is roaring in a major way in the minds of millions of people in this generation? Hell is roaring fear. Hell is roaring depression. Hell is roaring stress and crisis and worry and all these things. We've already talked about what the report of the world is saying. I heard a report not too long ago that the suicide rate amongst this generation peaks any other generation. And the reason why I believe that's true is because the volume of hell is being turned up in a major, major way. And I believe the reason why is because the devil knows his time is really short. And he has unleashed an all-out attack on this generation. But the Lord has sent me here today to tell you that if the volume of hell has been turned up in your life, there is something you can do. Now, I'm setting this up very cautiously for you because <laughs> in just a moment, I'm going to release a statement that may shock you. It's either going to cause a revival or a riot. Maybe a little bit of both. But I assure you, it's going to get a reaction. Amen. <laughs> Because what I'm going to release to you in just a moment, it's something you probably don't hear much in church. And when I release this statement, I believe something powerful is going to happen in this place. And your life is going to come up to another level of victory. The Lord sent me here today to tell you that if the volume of hell has been turned up in your life, it could be through a doctor's negative report. It could be through pain in your body. It could be that your bank account is low and your bills are high. How many of you know when that happens, the volume of hell gets turned up in your mind? How are you going to make it? How are you going to pay bills? And all of these things. And the world is screaming crisis. And I believe if the volume of hell has been turned up in your life, the Lord has sent me here today to tell you what you need to do is you need to take the cross, you need to take the Word, and you need to take your praise and shut the hell up. Some of you glad you came to church today, aren't you? You ain't going to sleep through this message. Amen. There are three weapons. That God has given to every born again believer. That empowers you to silence the roar of the enemy. Those weapons are the cross, the word, and our praise. And over these next few moments together, I'm going to load you with some revelation. Which I believe is holy information. I'm going to give you some holy information about these three weapons. That's going to empower you to live life on a new level of victory. Hallelujah. How many of you are ready today for hell to be shut up and a new sound to be released? The sound of faith, the sound of heaven. 
Come on, anybody want the sound of increase? Amen. Turned up in your life. The sound of healing. The sound of victory. The sound of more than enough. Come on, we've been hearing too much lack. I believe it's time the sound of abundance gets turned up in our church, in our home, and in this generation. Church, I'm going to tell you something. There is no such thing as recession. Amen. Now, this isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to say this because somebody needs to hear this. You know, we've heard for, what, three, four years, recession, recession, the world's screaming recession. I, I want to invite you to do something that some people don't, knew, don't do. I rarely had done this. This may stretch some of us. But today I want to invite you to think twice. You say, what do you mean think twice? So many of us don't think twice. You know what we do? We allow the news media, magazines, what other people are saying to dictate how we think and how we believe and we don't take the time to think twice. Think about the word recession. What does that mean? Basically to the world right now, it means lack of money. Really? There's a lack of money. You mean... Money just disappeared? Come on, let's use our brain today. Let's use our head for something other than a hat rack for just a few moments. You mean there is less money in the earth today than there was 10 years ago? Amen. Think twice. Let's just think about this. You mean aliens came down and took it? That's probably what happened. You know, one day we woke up and poof, trillions of dollars was gone. Now that makes a lot of sense, right? No. There's no such thing as recession. <laughs> Amen. What's happened, church? The money is just in the wrong hands. But I came to give you some good news today. And this goes along with the message because how many of you know when you get into abundance in your money, a lot of hell gets shut up. A lot of them bill collectors, come on, amen, get shut up, amen. I remember around 1987 when our family, we were on TBN a lot, and uh, I remember men and women of God came through around 1987, and they were preaching that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, and man, we got excited. We got involved. We praised God. We shouted, yeah, we're the just. Hallelujah. And the wealth of the world, the wealth of the sinner, it's laid up for us. And we shouted. We praised. But you know what? We never stopped to think about how that would be reported in the world as it began to transition. Think about this. Since the wealth of the wicked, the world, the sinner, is laid up for the just then as that starts to transition, how do you think the world is going to report it? Recession! You know why they're going to say it? Because they're losing it. You know why? Because there's a wealth transfer that is taking place in this generation. You know why? Because the wealth is coming to the body of Christ. And if you and I will not believe the report of the world, we will get into the flow of that wealth transfer and it will shut hell up. <laughs> you know what you'll do when you get the money? 
You'll, you'll turn abortion clinics into homes for unwed mothers. That'll shut hell up in a lot of their life. You know what you'll do? You'll buy the crack houses and turn them into Bible studies. Come on, church. That's awesome. So don't believe the lie of recession. You know why? Because we're in another kingdom. <laughs> Amen. And I have never read where Jesus was broke. <laughs> Man, this isn't a message, but I, somebody needs to hear this today. Because the religion wants you to think that you serve a broke king. Amen. The devil wants you to think we serve a broke king that Jesus never had his needs met, barely made it, didn't have a home, didn't have a nothing. Because if we think we serve a broke king, we'll never dream big. But come on, let's think twice. Have you ever seen a broke king? Jesus is the king of kings. Come on, you ever seen a ghetto king? No, man. Amen. Church, I'm telling you, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he knows how to get them cows to your house today. Amen. Come on, how many of y'all want some cows? Sookie, sookie. <laughs> I had a, I, I never knew what that meant until just a while back. This dear 80 year old lady came up and said, You know what sookie, sookie means? I said, No. And she goes, My mom used to stand on the porch and call the cows in. And that means it was time for them to get milked. She'd say, sookie, sookie. She said, son, you're prophesying when you say that because that means you're about to milk the cow. <laughs> well, I kind of like that. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, sookie, <laughs> I bet that's the first time, isn't it? Amen. So let's talk, let's talk about this first weapon now, the cross. I want you, if you would, turn with me to Psalm 91. We're going to look at verse 10. It's a very familiar verse, but I want to show you now the weapon of the cross and how the cross today is a weapon for you to shut hell up in your life, to silence the roar of the enemy. No matter if it's sickness, finances, fear. How many know fear is a big roar in this generation today? Fear comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes, all kinds of different ways. But today I want to show you a picture of what happened at the cross. And I want this to be the first weapon that we, we gain some knowledge about and use it today. Psalm 91.10 says, No evil. No evil. Everybody say, No evil. No. Say it again. No evil. Now I want to ask you a question. How much is no? Who said all? <laughs> I guess that'd be right. Zero, all a zero, right? No. How about my Spanish? Nada. Thank you very much. Nada. I asked that one time. Somebody said uno. I said, now, I don't speak a lot of Spanish, but I've played the card game enough to know. That means one, right? One, uno. But nada means zero. Zilch, nothing. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe that scripture's true? Come on, do you believe Psalm 91 is true? Amen. Sense is true. Now, I'm kind of setting this up for you, and I'm kind of setting you up here. If we really believe this is true, 
If we really believe Psalm 91.10 that no evil can touch us, that no evil can befall us or come near us, then do you realize what that would accomplish? <laughs> it would eliminate about 80% of prayer requests. Think about it. Now, I'm not saying there's something wrong with prayer requests. Please don't misunderstand me. But my point is this. I was raised in the church, and I've heard many prayer requests. Good-hearted people, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not judging anyone or putting down anyone. But we, we've got to realize why we believe what we believe. And if we really believe it, then we wouldn't say some of the things and do some of the things that we do and mask it with religion and mask it with prayer requests. You know, if we really believe it's true, it would eliminate so many because I have heard a lot of prayer requests. Maybe they are not this verbatim, but they kind of have this tone, something like, please pray because, man, the enemy, he's coming against me with everything he's got. Well, now the Word says no evil <laughs> can come near you. Well, I know the Word says that, but man, you just don't know my situation. The enemy's attacking me in this area. He's coming against my finances. He's coming against my health, my wealth, my church, my work, all of these things. Yeah, I know the Word says that, but you just don't understand. Ladies and gentlemen, the Word says no evil. Now, when the Word says no evil, yet we're screaming evil, we've got to come to a decision here. And this is the conclusion we must make. We have been giving way too much credit to the devil. Now I want to paint a picture for you today. And I'll, as a matter of fact, I want to show you something. I could say this to you and you would grasp it in one sense. But if I can demonstrate this for you, if I can show this to you, you'll get it even in a, in a deeper sense. And, and, and I believe it's going to shut fear up and will empower us to quit giving so much credit to the devil. Church, you know, you got to realize, we got to realize that Satan in Genesis, do you realize that he started out as a garden snake? <laughs> That's it, man, a little garden snake, a lizard. Are you getting this? But you get over to Revelation, and he's this huge, ferocious dragon. Now, how does a little lizard, a garden snake, become this ferocious dragon in just a few books? Because somebody's been feeding him. And pastor said it earlier. How do we feed the devil? With words. Words of fear, words of death, words of doubt. And every time we make a statement like, oh man, the economy is going under. And man, I mean, they're laying people off. I wonder if I'm going to be next. And man, I, I mean, I, I work so hard and I make less and I don't know how I'm going to make it to the end of the month. Uh, every statement like that is food for the enemy's roar. I want to paint a picture for you today and really put the devil in his place and paint for you what happened to him at the cross. And I believe this is going to become a weapon for you. Um, my brother over here that was playing the keyboard, uh, will you come here and help me? Thank you for volunteering. Man, I appreciate your help. 
<laughs> uh, man, what was your name? Gary, Gary, come here, sir. Now, I picked you. Anybody got a jacket? I got a jacket. But anybody got a jacket? Just uh, not all at once. But uh, you got, can I use that one, sweetheart? Can I use that? Oh, that'll work. Man, you're going to be styling now. You're going to be styling. You even got a belt just in case, you know. Put, now, Gary, I want to ask you, put your arms behind your back, and I'm going to drape this over you. Now, just, just kind of put them there, and, and you're good. I'm just going to drape this over you. Now, man, that looks good. That's cool. That's cool. That's perfect. Now, just stay like that. Now, I want you, if you would, to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter <laughs> You're doing good, man. You're doing good. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 15, and they'll probably have this on the screen. Colossians 2, 15. And again, we're going to see what happened now at the cross. We're going to see what happened at the cross. Y'all are having too much fun up here, too much fun. This is probably going to be on Facebook later. I already, <laughs> already take it. <laughs> be nice now, y'all. Be nice. All right. Colossians 2.15. Now, I'm reading this from the New King James, and that's what's up there. Awesome. Um, have you ever been reading the Bible, and you've read it before, you've heard it before, but it's like this time, it just looks bigger to you? You, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like when information becomes revelation. It just leaps off the page. Come on, anybody? All right, I'm just, y'all need some more coffee? You, are, you, are you with me? Amen. Now, I was reading this one morning, and this one word, man, just kind of leaped off the page. Let's read this together. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Gary, I'm not going to make a public spectacle of you, all right? I was reading this one morning, and when I saw this one word, I threw my Bible down, and I said, Lord, give me a visual, because that's how you left the devil at the cross. Yet, I'm hearing so many of us in the church, man, we're giving so much credit to the devil, yet that's how you left him at the cross, and I closed my eyes, and I said, Lord... Give me a visual of how you left Satan. I want to see how he was left. And when I closed my eyes, <laughs> this is what I saw. Come on, I, did, I didn't see Gary. I didn't see Gary, all right? But you know, if Gary were to walk in here today like this, kind of dressed like this, and we could use one word that would describe Gary it would be armless, he's got no arms, he's disabled, or disarmed. That means he's got no arms. <laughs> that is exactly what Jesus did to the devil at the cross. He stripped him of his authority took away his ability in which to take up weapons against you and hurt you. He disarmed the devil. You know, in this position right here, Gary could be packing heat. Y'all know what that means in Malden? <laughs> he, all right, all right. 
He, he could be carrying a weapon. You know what I'm saying. Carrying a gun. I'm sure there's a joke in there that I don't know about. All right. But he, 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 could, <laughs> he could be carrying a weapon, carrying a gun. Are you a police officer or something? No, okay. Are you known for carrying weapons? Nothing. All right. We're just going to leave that alone. We're going to leave that alone. All right. So he could, he could walk in here today packing heat, carrying a weapon, a gun, and Gary could come at me, and Gary could come at me. We're going to get there. Amen. We're getting there. And he could, he could just talk about me, you know, threaten me, cuss me out, tell me I'm going to take you outside, bust your face up, hand it over to your mama. You know, then after that, I'm going to come after your daughters, your wife. I'm going to take all of you out. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand here and say, well, Gary, man, I appreciate your zeal. <laughs> but, but you ain't got no arms, man. How you going to do this, right? Try to kick me. Kick me. You're going to kick me now, right? Well, the devil's been defeated. He's got no arms and he's got no legs. So, now how many of you know that is a fixed fight? Come on, how many of you would bet on that fight? Amen. Now, you know what? The only thing that leaves him in this position is a roar. A big mouth, a threat. Church, listen, a threat can't hurt you. Come on, church. Get this branded in your spirit today. See the enemy, how he truly is. He is disarmed, has no authority over you, just a bunch of noise, has nothing. Man, you know, some of you were laughing at this. I think that's awesome. Because I wonder how long it's been since you've laughed at the devil. So many have been running in fear and afraid of him. And he's been using the roar of the economy. A doctor's negative report. Maybe a lost loved one that's hooked on drugs and alcohol. And he's been screaming at you. They're never going to make it. I'm going to take them out with this. And he has been trying to put fear after fear and fear, church, the only thing he's got is a roar. Now, here's what I want to know. How does a roar become a full-on attack? Because I would be foolish to stand up here and say the devil's not attacking. Because, man, we see the results, right, of his attacks. So how does a disarmed individual, if you will, get armed? Now, how many of you know arms represent authority? How many know if when you got arms, you have an authority, which is an ability. You've been enabled or empowered or authorized to create, to destroy, to use power. Authorization gives you, gives you an ability, right, to exercise power. So how does he get authorization, if you will? Big deal if he's got power. But if you don't have arms, that's all it is, is power. So how does a disarmed individual attack? First of all, how does he roar? You know this. 
in your thoughts. How many of you know that your mind is the battleground? If you win or lose in life, you won or lost first in your mind. Proverbs says, as a man thinks, so is he. So the battle is in the mind. So he roars in your thoughts. But what does he use to turn up the roar? Natural circumstances. Come on, that's what, that's what the Lord's been speaking this whole service. The, the CNN, the, the news report, the negative news, the doctor's report. And here is the key, church. When we believe the roar. And when I say believe, I don't mean have a knowledge of it. It's okay to go to the doctor, get a knowledge of what's going on. It's okay to watch the news, get a knowledge of what's going on. But the word believe, you know this, translated in the Greek means to rely on, depend on, and adhere to. You remember the word says, uh, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. That didn't mean have a knowledge that Jesus existed. Amen. If it meant that, 98% of South Carolina would be born again. Because they believe or have a knowledge that he existed. But believe means you rely on, you depend on, you adhere to. So when I say when you rely... Don't be growing no arms on me now, amen? <laughs> when I say, you know, when, when you believe the roar, when you rely on and depend on and adhere to the roar's ability to hurt you more than you do the word's ability to protect you, then at that moment, that's when the seed of fear is sown into your heart. And when you tolerate fear, you contaminate faith. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. So the moment we allow fear to, to take up root in our heart and we begin to live our life based on fear, then we have just put arms on the devil. And now he begins to use, watch this, our authority. How many of you know that in, in Genesis, when Adam fell, Satan did not gain one bit of power? At, how many believe that, right? At the cross, he didn't lose any power. Watch this. What Satan gained was authority in Genesis to exercise his power. What he lost at the cross was man's authority. The, sec the last Adam came, jerked his arm's authority back from him, gave it back to man, which means the only arms Satan will ever have are the arms you give him. Praise God. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. Thanks for your jacket. Gary, you played a good devil, man. I, I hope you don't hear that often. Eh? <laughs> so, the first weapon that we've been given is the cross. The second weapon that we've been given to silence the roar, to shut hell up in our life, is the Word. The Word. You know, I believe the reason why a lot of us don't walk in the fullness of our victory is because so many of us in the church, we kind of view the, the Bible, the, the, the Word, as just a religious book. And that's exactly what the world has tried its best to do to make this Word. Just another religious, good religious book. 
But church, today I want to tell you, this is not just a little religious book. It is a living force. You know, I fly a lot, and, and sometimes I'll take out a newspaper, a magazine, or something. Nobody will give me a second look. But when I pull out the Bible <laughs> and my little journal, I'm taking notes. Man, they watch me eat my peanuts, drink my Coke, watch me get my bags off the plane and read the license plate as I drive away. Why? Because the Word causes a reaction in the hearts of people. It changes the atmosphere. But I want you to understand something. It is not a living force in the book. As long as it stays in the book, that's all it will ever be is just another book. But when what's in here gets out of here, gets deposited in your heart, and then you speak that out of your mouth, it becomes a living force and shuts the hell up in your life. I, man, I could give you praise report after praise report. I remember, this is a few years ago, Kim and I, we went to Niagara Falls. And, man, if you've never been, I wish we had a video or something, but it, it's an amazing sight. 150,000 gallons. Wow. A second. Fall over a 176-foot cliff. Every second, 150,000 gallons of water. Now, we were not standing directly under those falls. <laughs> we wouldn't be here today. But they have these caves, these tunnels that they've carved out that you can go under and kind of get about 100 yards away. And I remember we were standing there on this little balcony area about 100 yards away. And I remember seeing these falls, 150,000 gallons a second. And I remember the force that was generated from those falls. It literally made the ground that was solid rock shake. And I remember the wind that was generated from the force of those falls. It made our clothes move, got us wet, just immersed the atmosphere. I remember standing there and hearing it. It was awesome. And I got a picture of what John was talking about in the book of Revelation when he said, when I heard the word of Jesus. When the word of God came to me, he said it was like the sound of many waters. And for a moment I got a glimpse about what John was saying. He was saying that when the word of God comes alive in your spirit, I believe he was saying that it will shake you at the core of your foundation. It'll make your hair stand up on the back of your neck. It'll make your clothes move. It carries you to another level. I remember Kim and I, as we stood there, we had to yell at each other just to communicate because we couldn't hear each other just talking. Remember, we had to almost kind of yell just to talk because the sound of those waters was so loud. And we were not directly under the waters. <laughs> Let's just say for a moment you were standing under Niagara Falls. 150,000 gallons of water every second, and you're standing there. You know what? Somebody could come up behind you 50 feet or so, and they could start cussing you out, talking about your mama. You know what I'm saying? Telling you what a low-down, dirty dog you are, and you're not fit for anything, and you're just a nothing. And you know what you're going to do? <laughs> you're just going to stand there. Why? Because you can't hear them. When you get 
under the sound of the Word of God. And Satan can come at you in your thoughts and he can remind you of what a low down dirty sinner you used to be. How you're not fit to be used of God. He can start telling you how you'll never make it. You'll never. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to stand there. <laughs> Isn't this awesome? Why? Because the word of God is like a mute button to the devil. It silences his roar in your life. It was four years that Kim and I, we had been married, and all she wanted was a baby. Oh, man, baby this, baby that. And it was fun. <laughs> was fun hearing about it. I was, I was enjoying hearing about that. Amen. <laughs> Y'all, we might want to pray one more time. Amen. But I, I remember seeing her often um, when the doctors would say, there, there's nothing, nothing we can do. We've done everything we know to do. And because of past complications in her body physically, they finally, after four years, gave us little to no hope. We tried so many different things and just nothing. And I remember seeing her several nights as tears, you know, would run down her face and you guys can imagine man that was her dream that was her passion that's all she that was her blessing and as a little girl I've seen pictures you know playing with Barbies and that's just in a girl to want to be a mom to hold her baby and changing her diapers <laughs> baby dolls diapers just, just changing her baby that was in her heart so you can imagine how the volume of discouragement for four years was turned up in our mind. I remember one morning after four years, I woke up in our home and I believe it was the Lord that woke me up and, and He reminded me that His word shall not return void. And He reminded me that His word was incorruptible seed. Not just seed. Amen. It's incorruptible seed. And so I remember going upstairs and I got my word. And church, I want to encourage you. Listen, this is a seed bin. Have you ever been to a nursery and, and in, where they sell plants and trees and flowers? In that nursery, there is an aisle that they call a seed bin aisle. And on that aisle are packets of seed. And for those who are not quite bright enough, there are pictures on those packets that show you what your harvest will look like if you'll take that seed out of the ground, sow it, and water it. That will be the environment you'll have. Church, this word is a seed bin. And it is filled with pictures of harvests. And if you'll take the seed out of these packs... And you'll sow them into your heart and you'll water it with praise and thanksgiving. This will begin to immerse your environment. And so with that thought, I went to a seed pack that said, Our children will rise up and call her blessed. I went to another seed pack that said, There is none barren in our home. I went to another seed pack that said, Children are a blessing from God. 
And I went back into our bedroom and we locked hands and I began to sow these seeds into her. And three weeks later, what the doctor said couldn't happen. They looked at us and said, you got nine months. Come on, you got nine months. Why? Why did that happen? Because the sound of many waters showed up in our home that day and it silenced barrenness and released a new sound. <laughs> the pitter-patter of little feet, Isabella. <laughs> Church, this works. No matter what you're facing today, when you unlock the sound of many waters in your life, it doesn't matter how bleak, how dark the circumstance. I remember for 10 years, I had a bump on my chest, black, a little larger than a pimple. I didn't know what it was, didn't care what it was. But for 10 years, wearing a shirt like this just irritated me. And Kim would often say, honey, you may want to go get that checked. And you know, being a typical man, I don't need no doctor. Come on, men, don't leave me out here. Come on, give me a whoop, whoop, give me something, Amen. And I remember one morning I was standing in the shower and just washing up. And I saw this bump. Been there 10 years. And I was thinking about Jesus and just about the Word. And this is when the Word began to really become real to me. And I saw that Jesus cursed a fig tree and it dried up at the root. And then he looked at the disciples and said, You can speak to mountains and they'll obey you. And I begin to stand there between the first and second rents. It hit me. Jesus talked to a tree, told his disciples they could talk to him. If they could talk to a mountain and a tree, surely I can talk to a pimple. <laughs> and all the teenagers said, Amen. Come on. And I begin to speak to this thing on my chest. I said, I don't know what you are. doesn't matter what you are, but I know what I am. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I begin to speak to this and release the word. And what had been there for 10 years in three days, totally gone. Why? Because the sound of many waters showed up in that shower <laughs> that day. Showed up and it silenced that in my physical body. Now, I know some people think, but now, Terry, didn't you... Didn't you feel a little strange standing in the shower talking to a pimple? No. I felt a lot strange standing in the shower talking to a pimple. You know why? Because, man, that doesn't make sense. Your head is going to trip out, tell you all kinds of how you look foolish. How well, That makes real I trip out. My last name's Trip. I just got that. Amen. So you're going to trip out. Your head's going to go, this is nuts. You shouldn't do this. This is crazy. And you know what? That could be the reason why we don't see more miracles. Because we are so filled with fear of what other people will say about it and how we're going to look. Church, I want to encourage you. Let's get past ourselves today. And let's begin to see ourselves in the Word. How many of you know it doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> to Smith Wigglesworth? You guys ever heard of him? Man, imagine seeing a dead body 
and you walk up to it and you pick it up off the bed, throw it against the wall and say, live in the name of Jesus. And it falls to the ground. <clears throat> what you going to do now? I can only imagine what people would say. That faith stuff doesn't work. That name it and claim it is just a bunch of stuff. Blab it and grab it. You know what I'm saying? Names they come up with. You know what Smith did? He picked it up again. Picked it off the and slammed it. Said, I said live in the name of Jesus. The body falls down again. Dead. Now, I don't know about you guys at Faith Renewed, <laughs> but let's take off our religious cap for just a moment. What would you do? Now, I know I would probably say something that was the equivalent of be warmed and filled <laughs> and walk my way. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Or I guess the Lord just took him on home. You know what I mean? They got a glimpse of heaven and decided not to come back, I guess. You know, I would say something like this to, to, you know, make me look halfway decent. You know what I'm saying? Come on, let's be real and honest today. Let's just get real. What does Smith do? Picks it up a third time and says, I said, live in the name of Jesus. And they said it was like somebody punched them in the stomach and life came back into their body. Why? Because the sound of many waters silenced death. You can't tell me this doesn't work. We were flying Southwest Airlines September 11th, 2007. We were flying from Nashville to L.A. I was reading Psalm 23. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. You know, and when, when I got to the verse, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear. I closed my Bible. We were about 35,000 feet in the air, and I put my head back, and I was just thinking about what I was going to speak on that evening at the church we were going to in L.A. And before I put my head back, I saw this dear African-American lady, probably 77, 78, get up about halfway up the airplane, and I thought she's just stretching her legs. So I put my head back, and about a minute to a minute and a half, right beside of me, and I, my eyes are closed, right beside of me, I hear, boom! Not an encouraging sound when you 35,000 feet in the air going 500 miles an hour. And I turned and looked, and it was this dear lady. And I looked at her, and when I did, her eyes rolled back in her head and went, <sighs> lifeless. I grabbed her arm. The guy across the aisle grabbed her other arm, and we just kind of laid her down gently. What you going to do now? <laughs> you cannot call Malden First General. Because they're, they're probably hitting one. Is there, or is there Green, Greenville? Greenville General. All right. You can't dial 911, right? You go and fight. But here's my point, church. You can, you are always left with a choice. You can be moved by what you see, by what you feel, by what you hear. Or you can be moved by what I had just read a minute and a half before. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
The flight attendant ran up, checked her pulse, checked her breath. No pulse, no breath. Seconds felt like hours. And I just gently leaned over. I said, Kim, let's just begin to speak life. For about a minute and a half, we just spoke life. And I looked back down and I saw a glimpse, I believe, of what Wigglesworth. It was like somebody punched her in the stomach and she came up and went, (gasps) life came back into her body because the sound of many waters. You can't tell me this isn't true. Yeah, but Terry, Jesus is a way. He's a way to get to God. There's many different ways. You know, there's many ways up the mountain. We're not talking about going up a mountain. (laughs) And young people, which is everybody, right? Come on, how many young people are here? Amen. That's what I thought. Amen. I'm glad you're walking by faith. (laughs) All right, now watch this. Especially, listen, young people, because I believe we are in a generation where it's going to be more, we're going to have to show the world more than, well, the Bible says. Now, it starts there, but that's not where we end it. Faith without works. You got it. It's dead. Because the world is saying the Quran is the word of God. What are you going to do? You can't get in an argument. You cannot get in a theological debate about, well, no, this is the word. Well, no, no, this is the word. No, this is the word of God. What we've got to do, guys, is we've got to get to a place where we are so bold that we've shut hell up in our own mind and we give them the the, the T.L. Osborne challenge. (laughs) Now, for those who don't know T.L. Osborne, he is very famous Uh, missionary evangelist to India, Africa. He went to India one time and while he was preaching, a Muslim priest came up to him and said, Jesus is not the way. The Bible is not the way. It's the Quran. And what T.L. Osborne said to him, and he said, okay, you go and get as many blind and deaf people that you can find and bring them here. And you pray for them. And then let me pray for them. And we'll see which one gets results. Because whichever one answers probably is the right man on take. (laughs) So this Muslim priest goes and gets 90 blind and deaf people. Lines them up. And he starts praying. Gets down the road. Nothing happens. When T.L. Osborne got to the first one and he said, Jesus, all other 89 went, their ears open and their eyes open and hell was shut up. (laughs) That Muslim priest shut his mouth. And I'm telling you, church, we are in a generation today where it's got to be more than, well, this verse says. Now, this verse, we have got to live this. We got to walk this in the grocery store. We got to walk this on the street. We got to take it to the prison, to the White House, to the crack house. We've got to demonstrate the sound of many waters. Are you getting anything out of this? Are you you receiving this? 
So the final weapon we've been given. We've been given the cross. We've been given the word. And we've been given our praise. Hallelujah. I'm going to close with this. Praise. Man. What I want to give you right now. What I want to show you something about praise. That I know is going to enhance your level of victory. It's going to enhance your praise and worship. I just want to say. Man, you guys have an awesome praise and worship team. It's so anointed, excellent. But I want to I show you something today for us that we can grab a hold on and it will enhance our praise. You know, I've always been one to ask questions. Why do we do the things we do? Why, why do we believe how we believe? What's the big deal? You know, I've, I see so many people in the church and they do things because they see other people do them and so they parrot them. And you ask them, why do they do it? They don't know, but they still do it. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so I've often asked, why do we clap our hands? What's the big deal in clapping our hands? How is that such a threat to the devil? How does that shut hell up? And I've asked, why do some people dance? What's the big deal in shouting? And why, why do we do that? How is that such a threat? Psalm 47.1, we are encouraged in Psalm 47.1 to clap our hands. Why? What is the big deal to that? Why is that such a threat to the devil? The word clap comes from the Hebrew word taka. T-A-Q-A. Taka. And by analogy... This word means to drive a nail or a tent pin or a dart. By implication, that means to cast down, to smite, to strike down, or to thrust. This definition for the word clap, it empowers us to see that when we clap our hands unto the Lord, we are striking down the devil. We are driving nails through his mouth. We are thrusting him to the ground and we're pinning him there forever. Come on, I think it's time you ought to clap your hands, all you people. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, faith renewed. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you today. Don't just don't view clapping your hands as just a way to keep the beat with the music. That's cool. We do that. That's awesome. But view it as a weapon to shut the hell up. In that same chapter, we are said, we are encouraged to praise God with a shout. I said, praise God. Sookie, sookie, with a shout. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that word shout, the Hebrew word for shout in this verse is ruah. Ruah. Man, that sounds like a manly word, doesn't it? I love those movies, uh, Gladiator and Braveheart. You know, when those guys go to battle, I mean, they are ruah. You know, just a manly word. That word ruah means to mar, to mar, especially by breaking. 
You know, if something is broken, and some will look at it and say it's been marred or broken. So the word ruah means to mar, especially by breaking. Figuratively, this word means to split the ears with sound. When we lift our voices in a shout and in a praise, in a ruah to Almighty God, what we are doing is we are literally breaking the enemy's grip and we are splitting his ears with the shout of victory. I think it's time right now you ought to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, church. Hallelujah. (laughs) That was good. That was good. That was one of those delayed shouts, wasn't it? Amen. But I'm glad you're getting it. Amen. That was one of those wave shouts. Kind of started and went that way. Church, the Lord sent me today to tell you that the depth of your praise is going to determine the magnitude of your victory. I said, the depth of your praise is going to determine the magnitude of your victory. Now, 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 this side over here got it. I said the depth of your praise is going to determine the magnitude of your victory in this place today. Come on, somebody. Come on, church. Come on, he's worthy to be praised. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, the depth of your praise. The depth of your praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. Church, this is what the Spirit of the Lord just told me. It's time that we render payment back to the devil. For all the times that he's been roaring at us, it's time that we allow the lion of the tribe of Judah to start roaring back at this world system, at the devil, at the kingdom of darkness. One last thing while you're standing. Why... Do we lift our hands? What is the big deal about that? I want to show you this picture. I want to show you this picture. Oh, man. Your praise. (laughs) It's like a weapon of mass destruction to the kingdom of darkness. Your praise is. I want you to see this picture. I don't know if you can see it back there, but you see this. It's two guys, and they have their hands raised. There's a similarity in this picture. They both have their hands raised, but here's the difference. One is praising God, and the other one just won a gold medal. This is the image that I want branded in your consciousness today. You know why? Because that is the position of victory. When he crossed the finish line 
and he lifted his hands. You know what that accomplished? Victory, and he was claiming it as his. And you know what else it did? When he lifted his hands, it shut the critics up. Those who said he'll never go the distance. Those who said he can't make it. Those who said he was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Those who said he's just nothing, nobody, no good. He'll never make it across the finish line. The moment he lifted his hands, it shut the critics up. And it released a new sound. Victory. The Lord sent me to tell you today that when you lift your hands in worship, you are silencing hell's critics. Those who said, you are no good, nothing, you'll never make it. God can't use you. The moment you lift your hands, you claim the victory and you shut hell up. Oh, no, 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 no. Lift your hands. Come on, it's time that we declare who we are in Christ Jesus. We are above and not beneath. We are the head. We are overcomers. We are victorious in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you today, this is a new day in your life. Right now is a turning point. Fear is being shut up in your head right now. It's being shut up in your life. And there is a new sound. Hallelujah. Come on, there's a new sound of praise. There's a new sound of worship. Come on, church. Lift your voices. Lift your hands. Lift, lift it in praise. Come on, church. Hallelujah. And I release right now in this place, I release the abundance of rain. Hallelujah. I release increase right now. And I call forth for champions right now. I call forth for victorious people to take this city, to take this state for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Man, I just sense right now, I sense a warrior spirit in this place right now. It's like a warrior spirit. And it's time we rise up and we act like who we are. We're not just a little old sinner saved by grace. (laughs) Amen. We are saved by grace. It's as if sin never existed. That's who we are in Christ. You are victorious. You are healed. Shut the hell up. (laughs) Come on, church. Yeah, but Terry, how can I say I'm healed when my body's in pain, when I'm sick, when the doctor says I'm sick? How can I say I'm rich when the bank account is low and the bills are high? Church, it gets down to this one question. What is truth? What is truth? Jesus said, my word is truth. You know, the dictionary definition of the word truth is the highest form of reality. How many of you know there are other forms of reality? What you can see, taste, touch, hear, smell are different forms of reality. What I feel in my body, my body is a form. Sickness. How many of you know your money is a form of a reality? Here's the key. Whichever reality I come or whichever form of reality I come into agreement with is the one I'll live in. 
Are you getting this? Jesus said, if two of you would agree, if I get into agreement with this form of reality, then that will be established in my life. But if I will come up and get into agreement with the highest form of reality, I'm not denying these other forms exist. They do exist. Just me and my house have decided to agree with the highest form of reality. And when you come into agreement with the highest form of reality, then these other forms will conform to the highest form. <laughs> I'm glad I drunk my coffee today. Amen. So... How many of you are ready to live in this today? Come on, how many of you are going to walk out of this place with your faith renewed in Christ Jesus and in the Word of God and you're going to see yourself as you really are, free from fear, victorious in Christ Jesus? Then let's make this confession of our faith. Say, I am the redeemed. I am the free. I am renewed in my faith. I place my faith in the word of the Lord. I will not bow down to the lower forms of reality. I speak the highest form. And His form says I'm healed. His form says I'm rich. I am victorious. I am an overcomer. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me life. Now, how many of you received that today? Come on, you received that today? Well, give God praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, are you glad you came to church today? I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for allowing our ministry to be with you and for me to add to the vision of your pastors. Man, let's do this again. 